to have you here with us today. Worshiping and praising the Lord because today is the day he has made.
at first, but that's okay. You came out of your shell, and you're going to keep on singing with me because our Lord God is awesome, and he is worthy of all of our praise. presence today. You're an awesome God. You're a God that is worthy of all of our praise. And God, as we continue just knowing as we have met together this morning, Lord God, you will come and you will be here and you will bless us. 
We want you to allow us the opportunity to just serve you, to lift our voices, to praise you this morning, Lord God. We love you and you are worthy. Amen.
seated. Good morning. Thank you for uh, being here this morning. Thank you for risking uh, life and limb and uh, staying, uh, you know, getting out of your comfortable bed and your pajamas to be with us this morning. So glad you could be here. Uh, my name is Sean Striplow. I just have a few announcements uh, while we're here today. Just what's going on throughout the week here at Crossroads. Uh, so if you please grab your friendship folder before I forget, please grab that, fill that out, pass that down so we can have current up-to-date information. That'd be much appreciated. On Wednesday, we have our adult fellowship, so that's for men and women. We have uh, some time, they get together, and they get into God's Word, and they grow together. So if you haven't been there, if you can only come sometimes, that's okay. Please come and check that out. Uh, that is uh, some super exciting things going on here um, up at the church on Wednesdays. That's at 6.30. We also have, across the way at our Straight Street building, we have our Connect students. Uh, Connect students is for junior high and senior high, and that's going to be junior high at 6 o'clock, uh, senior high at 7.30. And so we have you know, kids coming together, and uh, they're meeting each other, and they're meeting with God. And so it's a great time. So if you know any young people, please send them our way. Uh, we're having a good time at Connect Students. It's a great ministry. And uh, we have our senior high. A reminder, they're uh, next week, and they're going to a winter getaway. So if you're kids, if you have a senior high student, sign up for that. There is a information meeting that's going to be right after the second service. It's going to be downstairs in the varsity room. So uh, if you have any questions or they just have a little quick information meeting, so please go down and check that out. Uh, Caleb's going to be down there, and he'll uh, get you filled in for that. So uh, Connect students, great things going on there. And then Thursday nights we have our FX. Now that is for our kids. Uh, that's like kindergarten up through fifth grade, and that's on Thursday evenings. We have a great time up here, and we this year at FX are hosting a Lego Derby. And so a Lego Derby, what is that? Well, basically, kids are going to buy a kit. I believe they're like seven bucks. Um, you can get those downstairs at the information desk. And uh, the kids are going to buy the, these cars. And then we're going to have a night where everyone comes in and they're going to build the cars together. So it's not like traditional wood shop where you know, your, you know dads are competing in designing these cars. But the kids can come and they can make their own cars out of Legos. It's you know, going to be a fun time. And then the week after that following, they're going to race their cars on the track. Uh, Jim Seibel is going to have that set up over there, and we're going to race them and time them. It's going to be a great time. So please invite somebody to come to that. That's going to be a great time. Even if they don't come to FX, just a great opportunity to bring somebody and to, to have a good time and to uh, just introduce them to what's going on here up at the church. So uh, please look forward to that. They'll have some more information coming out for that. Uh, also, <coughs> excuse me. Um, also, we have our uh, class starting. It's going to be Marriage 101. Marriage 101, that's... Um, they're going to be starting up real soon. They have a meeting that's going to be in B204 and 206 over here. And so that is going to be for maybe someone who's getting married soon or people who are already married, uh, people who want to invest more in their marriage. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, Al Finney is going to be doing that. So there's more information coming to that. And anyone can go to that. Listen, I was uh, just telling somebody, you know, I always joke around. I say, well, I've been married for, you know, eight years. So I am an expert in marriage. And, uh, People, uh, people just give me a laugh. Apparently that's not true. Apparently you can learn a lot more after eight years. So I have a lot more to learn as well. So uh, listen, anybody can go and can enjoy this and, uh, and can appreciate it and can uh, you know, always invest more in your marriage. So please go over there and uh, check it out. Uh, Al's going to have a quick meeting. It's going to be over there just down the hallway as you go to the restrooms there. Um, and then we have one. Uh, we have another uh, announcement coming up here. We have the women's retreat. I didn't even know it was coming up. I told my wife, said, "Hey, I need a check." So I'm sending my wife and uh, guys. Please send your wives. Watch your kids for a weekend. Send your wives to the women's retreat. This year's theme is "Girls Gone Wise." 
So um, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, they always, uh, you know, uh, they go and they play some games and they do some stuff together. I don't even know what they do. I know what the guys do. We have options. We go and we go fishing and we go, you know, hiking. We play tennis and stuff like that. Uh, women, I don't know what they do at the retreat. I, th I don't know if they just sit and talk. I, I don't know. They knit together. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's a mystery and it should remain a mystery, I guess. But uh, they, my wife always comes back having a good time. And I know uh, they, uh, they have a good time every year. So please send your wives. Uh, and if you don't, you don't have to be married to go, you can... Uh, you can be a young single woman too. Uh, they all have a good time, so please go check that out. Uh, great time as well. And then one other thing I uh, don't want to forget is the uh, choir practice that was scheduled today is going to be scheduled for next week because of the cold weather. We want to you can stay home one more week, and uh, uh, you can uh, just plan to be here next week after the service. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Wow, what a busy church! I'll tell you. Uh, after Sean gets done with the announcements, I'm pretty tired. We're so thankful to see you today in the Lord's house. You've got here, you're safe. Uh, and what a wonderful spirit in our church this morning. It's just so great to see people come in and they're talking together and having a good time. It seems like there's, there's, there's more energy sometimes when, when we have a Sunday like this when, that it's hindered a lot of people from coming to church. Uh, we feel more open and free to talk to each other and have a good time. Your singing has really been good today. I thank you for that. Let's stand together as our ushers come and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you every week for your love to the church exhibited in your giving. Uh, we know you love the church. And uh, this is our spiritual home, our spiritual family, home base. Uh, this is where we call the plays. If we want to use a football analogy, we call the plays here. And uh, you go out the rest of the week and you run the play. And uh, that's what church is supposed to be about. So let's thank the Lord for uh, what he's given us to give to him. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love and how you take care of us. And we thank you for our people today as they've come to uh, share with you, Lord, a portion of what you've given to them. I pray now that you'll bless each gift and each giver in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. You may be seated.
Wouldn't it? I saw somebody come in, Norman comes to the first service and said, hey, two-hour delay, so that's exciting. But uh, we're glad you're here today. We've been talking about otherwise and how to have God's wisdom in our life and to have some practical things that we can apply. So today we're going to talk about this one little thing that could change big things. If you have your Bibles, head over to James chapter 3. But one little thing that could change big things and as you think about that, I want you to think about your, your mouth, about your tongue, because that's where the passage is taking us. I want you to think about those words. Have you ever said something and wish you could take that back? Have you ever said something and your brain hasn't caught up with your mouth yet? You know, you said something and it was like, ooh, that might have been comical. And then there's other times you said something and it wasn't so comical, it was actually painful. And so it's like, wow, I wish I could take those, take those things back. Yesterday was Valentine's Day, and you had a nice blizzard for Valentine's Day. Uh, we were out in that driving, and that was, that was, that was a painful experience. And, but uh, as you were, you were out there, maybe you, you had a nice time with your Valentine with your spouse, and you were able to share a nice word. You just said, I love you. You were able to, to build your spouse up, and you, you had kind words one for another. Those positive words go a long way. As a matter of fact, words are extremely powerful. And that's the first point in your notes this morning. Words are extremely powerful. Uh, the things that we say to people are, are so powerful. Whether we say something that is good or we say something that is bad, they are powerful. When somebody tells you something good, you never forget it. You walk away and you say, wow, that was really a good thing. And, and you walk away with a good feeling because somebody said something positive to you. But when somebody says something negative to you, those you really never forget. And it's like for years you'll say, wow, I'll never forget he said this. Or she said that. And I'll never forget that this person hurt me with their tongue, with their words. 
Words are extremely powerful. And if you look over here in James chapter 1, verse 26, James talks a lot about the tongue. It's a, a theme kind of throughout the book. When I think of James, I think of the tongue. That's the, the number one thing that comes to my mind when I think of the book of James. Because in James chapter 1, he talks about it. In chapter 3, he talks about it. In chapter 4, he talks about it. There's only a few chapters. And so he, he covers a lot of ground on the tongue. He says here in James 1.26, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Uh, James here, the, this is the brother of Jesus. He has a lot to say about the power of the tongue. And as I was looking at that, I, I see that word religious. I said I'm going to give my own little paraphrase to that. So this, this next one is what I'll call the, the KJB, the Kenneth James Barner version. If anyone considers himself to be spiritual-minded, spiritually-minded, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. See, if I think that I'm a spiritual person, I think that I'm growing, and I don't have this under control, um, I'm fooling myself. I'm really not spiritually-minded. I'm not what I thought I was. And that's what the Scripture's teaching us here. So James begins in this next section, and he be, uh, begins to talk about, uh, about one of the... One powerful thought here. Let's pick up with James chapter one, uh, 3, verse 1. He says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now he starts and he addresses with teachers first. One of the things that these were Jewish people that had been coming to Christ. They, were, they had been following Judaism, and now they're following Jesus. And part of the Judaism, part of their, part of their, their culture was that there was a longing to be the teacher. There was a long to be the schoolmaster, to be the man in charge, to be the guy who was the reprover. And James here tells us, don't seek to be that person. Don't seek to be the self-imposed teacher. Don't look to be, hey, I want to be the teacher because, and he says here, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. When a teacher is up here teaching, he's opening the word of God he has a higher judgment. He has a stricter judgment because, number one, more people are hearing his words. Number two, this is God's word. He, he has a high, high judgment upon his word. So as we go there, he's, he's saying, look, no, don't be seeking that rabbiship. Don't be seeking this place where you are the person who has the standard by which other people must live. Don't be seeking that because... That, that was a position in their culture for that. He says, don't seek that position. Seek the position of controlling this thing. Because when we, as a teacher comes up, and what he, what he's, the, the bigger issue here is the tongue, not the teacher. He's saying that the teacher has a strong, uh, strong priority and his tongue is held to a high accountability. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, all able also to bridle the whole body. So the second point in your notes there this morning, we all stumble in many ways, but to control the tongue is a step of maturity. We all stumble in many ways. We, we, we stumble and we fall. And this is how God's, God's working with us because we're, we're the children of God. He saved us. He has forgiven us. But as we are growing in our faith, we will find out that there are many ways that we stumble, many ways that we fall. And he says, however, we, for we stumble in many things. If, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. He says, 
perfect. When we see that word perfect, remember, we come to the idea of completeness. Come to the idea of maturity. He says, for we stumble many things, but if you don't have this under control, you're not mature. If you want to be mature, you control the tongue. It's so hard because we have so many, so many things. We walk around with this tongue in our mouth, and this tongue can cause so many problems for us. The tongue has the power, as he continues here on in James chapter 3, verse 3. The tongue has the power to direct. Look there, at, uh, uh, beginning in verse 3. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their, their whole body. Look at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by, by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So he talks here and he says that the tongue has the power to direct. And as we're thinking about the power to direct, think about the bit in the horse's mouth. You have this horse, this horse is a 750-pound horse. You can put a 500-pound weight on that horse and it won't even phase that horse. Take the weight off and now that horse can run. That horse can run and do a half a mile in 25 seconds. It's, it's incredible what, what horses can do. But yet you can put the smallest of people, a little frail woman on top of that horse, can control that horse by pulling the reins and controlling the bit in the horse's mouth. That horse, she can make that horse dance. And that's what the Bible says here. James says that your tongue is like the bit in the horse's mouth. It will control your life. It will control, it will direct your life. It can direct your spiritual life. It will direct your relationships. It will di direct every area of your life. So as your tongue goes, so goes the body. As your tongue goes, so goes your spiritual life. And we cannot take and separate spirituality from my words. Because the two go hand in hand. So the bit in the mouth of the horse, that as the bit goes, so goes the horse. As your tongue goes, so goes your life. Look at the rudder. In James' day, he was referring to, uh, to these smaller ships. That they were sail ships, uh, like a, a, a ship that had the mast and the sail. But there was a rudder. And as you turn the rudder, so goes, so goes the ship. Today, we have ocean liners. And those ocean liners, it's probably a little hard to see from where you're at, but the ocean liners, just there's a rudder. And, and you may get up on there and you say, wow, that rudder's pretty big, but compared to that ship, it's really not that big. It's one of the smaller parts of the ship. And as the ship goes, we believe that I think it's about 1% of the weight is in the rudder. So you, you take that rudder, and it's only 1% of the weight of the total ship, and yet that guides and it steers the ship. And James says here, that's what your tongue is like. It's like the rudder. And the rudder sometimes must face the opposition of the wind and, and, and the waves, and yet the rudder goes. And, and as the rudder goes, so goes the ship. Sometimes we have to face opposition with our tongue, and as our tongue goes, we have to learn to develop this control of our tongue. And as the tongue has that control, so goes our life. When the tongue is out of control... So goes our life, out of control. Webster defines the tongue as the movable muscular structure at the base of the mouth. James chapter, five, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. It's a little member, boasts great things, and it is physically small, but what tremendous part it has in your life. 
It's just a few ounces. Think about that. Of your whole body, your tongue is just a few ounces. And this tongue is the rudder, is the bit that can direct your life. And as you let this direct, you can let it direct you in the wrong way. You can let it direct you in the right way. However, so many times we remember whenever somebody inflicts pain on us through their words, don't we? When somebody says to, to us something negative, we, we never forget that negative. Oh, I'll never forget he said that. Oh, I'll never forget that she said that to me. She was so mean. But yet, whenever I use my tongue to inflict pain on other people, I tend to forget that, don't I? We tend to forget that we've used our tongue as this, as this, this, uh, this ability to destroy and hurt other people. So not only does the tongue have the ability to direct, it has the ability to, to destroy. Verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and, it, and, and lit it and it is set on fire by hell. A forest fire. He uses the analogy here of the forest fire. So when we have a forest fire, it only takes a spark to get a fire going, doesn't it? Um, the great Chicago fire. You know, think, think of the big fires. Number one, they were all started with a match. Okay, we start with that little match. You have a little match, and all it takes is a little, little strike to start it. The great Chicago fire of 1871 was started with just a spark. And if you were to go and research the, how, did the, how did that fire start, the Great Chicago Fire, you'll find that there's some stories out there about the Mrs. O'Leary and her cow tipped over a lantern in the barn, and which we know to be folklore today. But the idea was that it started from a spark. Somebody had a source of fire, and it started. That fire burned for two days. <coughs> days took down nearly 17,000 buildings and 250 lives. On the very same evening in October of 1971, October 8, 1971, the worst recorded forest fire in North America in history raged throughout the uh, American history and this fire raged in Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin and upper Michigan. It was a forest fire. And as we have that forest fire, I want to Remember that that comes from a little strike, a little flame. Um, that forest fire took over so much millions of dollars worth of property, so much timberland, and even more lives in the Chicago fire. Interesting that they were happened on the same day, but we always remember the Chicago fire because of the city environment that it was in. Uh, this is what our tongue can do. Our tongue, James says here that your tongue... You have got to be careful with this thing. It is a loaded weapon. It is a match that can strike at any moment. I can take this tongue and I can strike a match and start a forest fire and not even realize it. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You know, all I said was, there was the match, and then I got a, the forest fire took off. That's happened to me a few times. It happens quite often to all of us, doesn't it? I, I, I wasn't meaning that. I didn't mean that. You, you don't understand what I was saying. And then I go back into this whole deal where I'm trying to backpedal and trying to help. 
And I'm more worried about what they're thinking about me. I'm worried that I'm looking bad. Instead of worrying about this relationship and trying to really put out the fire, I'm trying to make myself look good. And so sometimes we have to just stop the fire. Stop putting fuel in the fire and just let the fire burn and come back to that. Um, We have to remember that there are huge repercussions when we use the wrong words. And sometimes we may be innocent, sometimes we may be not so innocent. But as those fires start, we've got to stop the fire. And we can't stop the fire by saying, well, you know, I should have, I should have, and you you didn't understand me, you, you misunderstood me. Sometimes we have to back out of that. Just say, I'm sorry. And just, just stop and pause. James 3.6 says this, that the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. In other words, think about the evil that your mouth can do. It is a whole world of wickedness. What could your mouth be capable of doing? What could your mouth be capable of saying? You're capable of saying things that are really good, capable of saying things that are really bad. This isn't just talking about profanities. This is talking about how I treat people. How do I address people? How do I talk to people? And what I'm doing in my relational manners of life, how do I care for people? We're not talking just about what we know as the bad words. We're talking about the words that are destructive, that can hurt one another. The tongue has been responsible for so many marriages that have gone astray. A spouse sets the fire, and it destroyed the marriage. You can burn down marriages. You can burn down relationships. You can burn down a work environment with your tongue. The tongue has inflammatory effects on human relationships. And that's what, the, what, what Brother James here is telling us. He's saying, look, you've got to watch this. This, is, this, is, this can ruin everything. It can set your whole life on fire. And we can agree to that. Wow, our, we have seen just a strike match. You can go back and you can say, wow, I've tried to fix this. But sometimes I've, the damage has been done. You know, you look at a forest fire and you say, wow, you can see where the forest fire once was. And you see the terrible effects that that forest fire did. That's what our tongue does. We can start the fire. And we can cause so much damage. And notice he says here, For it is set on fire by hell itself. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? That our tongue can be set on fire by hell itself. In other words, those negative things that we do, those things that we, that are, or, that we are destructive of people with our tongue, that is not from God. And we have to realize that. We have to recognize that. I want to do this in my life, but yet I come and I talk down to my kids. That's not from God. Uh, whenever I'm trying to, to be involved in relationships and I let this thing get out of control, that is not from God. According to James here, it's from hell itself. So when you get into those moments, remember that those things that you're saying that are so destructive, that are destroying people, that's not from God. And you've probably been the object of a few people that have destroyed you. Remember that that's not from God. Oh, we can say, sticks and stones might break my bones. Remember that when you were a kid? 
Your mom wanted you to be tough in school. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I'd like to rephrase that. Sticks and stones can break my, no break my bones, but names will absolutely destroy me. And that is so true. When somebody talks down to us, somebody constantly talks down, and they're beating us up all the time, we are destroyed. And we don't realize it with our tongue. We remember the person who destroyed us. But do we remember the person that we destroyed? And realize that my tongue was a brutal part of, brutal part of hurting this person. And so we have got to bridle this tongue. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. James here says that animals can be tamed. You know, you go to the zoo and you, you see all those animals and it's nice to look at them. But do you, do you remember that some of them are pretty dangerous? In certain areas it says don't feed these ones. Don't get too close. Don't cross this line because these animals are dangerous. But according to James here, we can tame animals. And we know that. I was talking to a fellow this week. He's here this morning. He tamed a deer. Literally, he has a deer. It's his pet deer. Charlie's his name, or her name. They have a pet deer, Charlie. And, and, and if you go to him, he'll show you on his cell phone. His kids are hugging this deer. He found a deer on the roadside, took the deer home, and, and, and you know, you're not allowed to pen a deer, so he doesn't pen the deer, but he lives next to 60 acres, and that deer has free room of the 60 acres. They were showing me before church today a picture of the, a video of the deer eating french fries. Isn't that cool? You know, you can tame a deer. And so you go home and, you know, wouldn't that be cool? Where, 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 where's Kara? Oh, she's out feeding the deer, her french fries. And, and how exciting that is. And, and just how that, that, the, the deer, I, they even have a picture of the deer in the swimming pool. So this deer that's this wild animal that, that would be afraid of, you can tame that deer. And that deer can be a part of their family. And the deer comes back to their house on a daily basis. And that deer has basically become tame. But the scripture says you can't tame this tongue. You can take a dog. You can train them. You can take a deer. You can take animals of all sorts. You can tame them. But you cannot tame this tongue in your own power. We need the power of God for that. James says that this is a, a, is a big deal. The tongue is a big deal. To, it also has the power to delight and disgrace. The power to delight and disgrace. Verse 9. Chapter 3, verse 9. With it we bless our God and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God or in the likeness of God. All men are created in the likeness of God. We curse men who have been made like that. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no springs yield both salt water and fresh. And so we have the ability to delight and disgrace with our tongue. The very same tongue 
that is used to praise God. We come in and we sing these songs. Oh, Lord, and we bless your name. And then we get in the parking lot and shut the door on the car and what comes out of our mouth? Something negative, maybe. It's too cold in the auditorium. And we begin to go down this negative route. And so with this blessing, we can bless God on one hand, and on the other hand, the very same tongue that blessed God is used to curse man. Now, James says here, that just shouldn't be able. How can this be? You know, when, and, and think about this, the, the utensils in, in, the, uh, in the tabernacle, they would use those utensils to honor and glorify God. You would never take a utensil from the, from the tabernacle and go out and dip it into something filthy, dirty. And that's what our mouth can do. Our mouth can be used to honor and glorify God, but we don't keep it there. We come out and we go down and we let things come out. Well, how, how is the tongue used in a negative way? James doesn't go through all the details, but if you look throughout the scriptures as a whole, you'll find that the Bible talks a lot about the tongue. There are so many things that the tongue can be used destructively. It destroys, it hurts people. Number one is gossip. You know, do you realize when we take a negative story and we carry it one step further, that's gossip. I've heard people tell me, well, well, it was true, wasn't it? It may be true, but it was a bad story and you took it one step further. When you take a bad story and carry it to somebody else, that's called gossip. Um, and you know, we always, we always disguise it in such pious ways, don't we? Will you pray about this? I just want you to know because. Uh, did you know? Did you hear? Look at what, what the Proverbs 18 says. 18.8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into man's inmost parts. We all love to hear it, don't we? You know, we say that we don't want to be involved in it, but when you hear a good juicy story, you just kind of, oh, he didn't. She did Well, why would they do that? And then we become involved in this gossip. And so when we have a negative thing that happens, or you hear a negative story, and you carry that another step further, that's gossip. And listen, that's a destructive power of the tongue. We destroy people by carrying a negative story one step further. We destroy what God is trying to do in our lives many times by carrying a negative story one step further. How about innuendos? Innuendos, this is the close cousin to gossip. The, uh, you know, it's the word unsaid. It's that awkward silence. It's that raised eyebrow. It's that look. You know, and then we, we give our disapproval. We give negativity to a situation. How about flattery? Flattery is the opposite. Saying to a person's face what you would never say behind their back. Ooh, this is a negative use of the tongue. Proverbs 29.5 says, Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Proverbs 26.28, A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works a ruin. So the, the power of our tongue, we can be so destructive with our tongue. How, how about this one? Criticism. When we find fault, Oh, how easy it is to find fault, isn't it? We can find fault with anything. Um, I was at a basketball game yesterday. We had a good playoff game. They're always good when you win, right? So we won. We, were, we won by 20-some points. And we left there. We were all excited. But we got out, outside in the, in the foyer, 
you know, a couple of us dads got together, and a couple of dads were like, well, you know, we should have done this. We should have done that. And what's wrong with that, coach? Da, da, da. And we started going down the critical route of what we could have done. And you know what? There's no coach next to any of our names. We're all dads. And, and I'm the silent guy because I really don't know enough about the game to make a comment. But I'm watching and I'm hearing all these people tell me. And I'm like, did you people just hear what happened? We won the first round of the playoffs. And we're, we're saying what we could have done better. We're saying what the coach could have done better. And we began to go down this critical, spirited route. Uh, there's a story of the famous preacher, John Wesley. One day he was preaching. And he was preaching, as he was preaching, he noticed uh, in the audience was a, a lady that was known for her, her critical spirit. And all throughout the service, she sat and she stared at his new tie. He had a new tie on. When the meeting ended, she came up to him and said, in a very sharp tone, Mr. Wesley, the strings of your tie are much too long. It is an offense to me. He then asked if anyone present had a pair of scissors. And when the scissors were handed to him, Wesley gave them, uh, gave them to his critic and told her to trim the streamers to her liking. After she clipped them off up near the collar, uh, he asked, are you sure they are all right now? And she replied, yes, that's much better. Then he said, let me have those shears for a moment. And he said, ma'am, may I now give you a bit of correction? I must tell you, madam, that your tongue is an offense to me. It is too long. Please stick it out. I'd like to cut some off. And, uh, and, you know, I, I think he was, he was an interesting guy. But seriously, when we criticize, do we realize what we're doing with our tongue? When I take my kids and I criticize them, I'm destroying them. When I take somebody in, in my life anywhere, when you take somebody in your life and you come and you are critical and you are criticizing do you realize what you're doing you put yourself in the position of the reprover and you beat down that other person with my mouth I have the ability with this tongue I have the ability to look at my kids and I can bless them I can build them and I can beat them with this tongue James says it shouldn't be. Why do I have to struggle with this? I can bless them. I can build them. But on occasion, I beat them with my tongue. And I talk down to them. How about your spouse? You look at your spouse and I can bless my spouse. I can build my spouse. Or I can beat them down. I can say I didn't mean it. Oh, it's just my sarcasm. It's just this. It's just that. And in the meantime, I beat them down. God says, I have to deal with this. I have to bridle this because I'm hurting those around me. I'm hurting my marriage. I'm hurting my family. I'm hurting my job. As a matter of fact, if we would realize what we can do with our tongue, Warren Wiersbe says that there are 12 words that can transform your life. 12 positive words that can transform your life. The first one is please and thank you. Imagine that. If, you were, if we would just say please and thank you. Be considerate to those people that are around us. 
When you use those words, you're treating others like they are people and not like they are things. You're showing your appreciation. You ever go to Chick-fil-A? They always, they, they, they train their employees. I know that because my daughter works there. They train their employees, and when, when, when they give you service, they say, it's my pleasure. That's not always their pleasure. But they use their tongue in the right way. It is my pleasure. They treat people like they're people. How about this one? Learn to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. These two words have a way of breaking down walls and building bridges. See, not, I'm sorry, I didn't mean... How about, I started a fire. I'm sorry. This happened to me a few days ago. You know, you're studying and you're praying about a passage and God gives you a lesson. And somebody I was with and I said something and the fire started. And I, I wanted to come back and say, but, but, da, da, da. And, I, and I started going down that route. And then I realized, wait a minute. The time now is to say, I'm sorry. To be positive. And so when you come and you say, I'm sorry, that changes things. How about these words, I love you. Great for Valentine's Day. How about every other day? I love you. I really do care about you. You know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're supposed to love each other. How many times have we ever expressed that in word? Hey, man, I really love you. I'll tell you what, I, there's a couple, couple people around the church, a couple men will put their arm around me from time to time and say, you know, hey, I love you. You know, it's like, get around Jim Watts. It just kind of comes out. He's like, hey, I love you, and then he runs. But you know what? It means a lot. And when one of those guys come over and say, good job, go get them. You know what? I can keep going because they spoke positive into my life, not because they told me, they said, we love you. Let's go. How about I'm praying for you? When I was younger, I didn't totally understand that statement. Now I love that statement. Somebody says to me, I'm praying for you. It's like, oh. I need that so much. Because not only are they concerned, they're taking an action to the throne of God. So these words here, these 12 words will change. They can transform your life if you'll do them. Please, thank you, I'm sorry, I love you, and I'm praying for you. That's a far cry from criticism and gossip and all these other things that, are, that have the ability to, to destroy James 4.11 talks about talking down to others. He says, do not speak against one another. Don't talk down to others. It's so easy to talk down to others. Whenever we talk down to others, do we realize that we are actually hurting God's work? And I never realized that until this paraphrase really helped me here from James 4.11. says, don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule. That takes a beating in that kind of talk. So when we're down-talking, when we're, when we're being negative one towards another, we're hurting, not the other person. Yeah, they may be hurt for a while, but we're hurting God. And if I could get that mindset, that my language, not only does it hurt the other person, I'm hurting what God's trying to do. James 1.26, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. Surrender your mouth to God. What do we do? 
The last point in your notes, we have to surrender our mouth to God. We have to come before God and say, oh, Lord, please, take, please help me bridle this. I can't bridle this. You have to bridle this. Lord, take control of my words. Psalm 141, verse 3. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. I think that'd be a great verse to memorize. That'd be a great verse to put in my car or on my desk or on the refrigerator door as I see it every day. Lord, take control of what I say. Proverbs 12.18 says that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise. Lord, make me wise. May I be a person who brings healing and not harm. Not a person who destroys, but a person who builds. Not a person who beats, but one who builds up. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So what do we do? We come before God and we surrender our mouth to Him. We say, Lord, I need you. I have this problem. He knows we have it. That's why He gave it to us in His Word. This is a big problem in the early church and it's a big problem in, in, in our society today. We still have to deal with this because we may be redeemed, but we are still struggling. We, like He says, we all stumble in many ways. But if you can gain control of this, God can really do some powerful things in your life. So we come to the point where we put a stop to these things. And we're, we, the way that we put a stop to it is by asking God for His power. Number one, I want to encourage you to take responsibility for some of the fires that you've set. Don't go back and try and change it by, well, you misunderstood, you didn't understand, and worrying about how I am looking in the relationship. Come back with those simple words that Warren Wiersbe told us from those 12 powerful words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And watch what God will do. Don't make excuses. Just be, come and start. I'm sorry. If you'll have me, I'm sorry. Repair the damage with actions. Actions will speak louder than your words. Repair the damage with actions. The scriptures tell us that he who holds the tongue is wise. Pray and ask God for him to bridle your tongue. And this is a powerful verse here, Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This says, God, may you make the words of my mouth come from my heart. Lord, change me. Today we're going to have communion. We're going to close our service with communion. We're going to remember that Jesus died on the cross, that he paid for your sin, and he paid to set your tongue to be free for Christ. He paid for you so that your tongue no longer has to be a tool of beating, but become a tool of blessing. And I ask you to pause for these moments and ask God what areas he is speaking to you about in the tongue. For we all struggle with this. We all struggle. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, you would just take a few moments as our men prepare to serve the communion. If you would just meet with God, what ways do you need to come before the Lord? Just come and ask God to surrender your mouth to Him. I, I pray that you will take this and drive it into our hearts deep.
uh, that as we go throughout this week that uh, we will be measuring our words slow to speak uh, slow to ask you for the wisdom that we need to make the comments that need to be made and Lord now we come uh, into your presence to uh, remember the reason for why we're here today and that's because uh, you died upon the cross for our sins and for our iniquities. And so you've given us this uh, wonderful redemption and freedom. And uh, we've come now to remember that act upon the cross that purchased it all for us uh, by communion. We pray that you'll uh, draw us closer to you during this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Gentlemen, please prepare to serve our congregation. First of all, the bread. And when you receive this little piece of bread, which symbolizes the broken body of Christ, just cherish it in your hand this morning and uh, 